This is Mike and Jeff writing the right. I'm Jeff Arnold with me as always, Michael Taylor. Uh, we are doing our first of our midweek episodes. So this will be a shorter episode than normal. Uh, we're going to try and aim for about an hour to an hour and a half. We'll see how that rolls as we roll with this. So we're doing it live. You'll, uh, you'll all kind of see how, how this goes with us. Uh, but in honor of Joe Biden's first 100 days, we wanted to do an episode and we'll talk about the accomplishments of Joe Biden's first 100 days. What are they? Do they exist? Um, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll talk about some good moves by the state of Idaho banning abortions after a heartbeat and just today signing into law a ban of critical race theory, the first state to do that, which is great. Uh, the Oscars are dying with less than 10 million viewers in this weekend's Oscars. Uh, but Tyler Perry gave a, gave a speech that's worth talking about. So we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about the results of the 2020 census where the glorious Democrat-run states are all seemingly losing seats and Republican states gaining seats. Wonder what the what the common denominator there is. And lastly, our nerd topic of the week, next week, uh, our next episode later this week, we'll jump into Harleen. But tonight we are going to talk about Mortal Kombat. Finish him. Uh, the movie was a fatality for, um, you know, joy. But we'll get into that later. So yeah, this episode may not be short because Jeff and I disagree. So you may just be arguing back and forth for 45 minutes. That's, there's a very large possibility of that because the fact that you've told me that you actually enjoyed that movie has got me slightly irritated. <laughs> I, I don't know how a human being with eyeballs and ears can enjoy that movie, but we'll save it. We'll save the vitriol for the end of the show. So if you're very, if you're at all interested in our opinions on Mortal Kombat, stick around. Uh, but let's jump in first. Today is Biden's for, uh, Biden's hundredth day in office. Uh, he gave his first address to Congress yesterday on day 99. Um, it received uh, 11 million viewers, I want to say. What was the total? It was number? 11 million. And I think Trump, his first three were in the 40s and his last one was at 37. That is correct. Trump's address, uh, Trump's first day of the union was 48 million people. Trump's lowest was 37. Uh, the most popular president ever elected in American history was able to pull in 11.6 million viewers last night to his first address to Congress. Uh, his CNN YouTube page views were less than a million at a quarter million, 250,000. Uh, Trump's got a million viewers in his 2020 address on CNN and yeah. CNN is skewed very hard against Trump. So even so, uh, they can't pull in Biden viewers. Yeah. So what's funny, I looked into the, um, so the daily wire, they do like a backstage where they just kind of sit around and, and talk and they did the Biden's uh, congressional address. They put in an 150,000. So that's showing you something that I think one mainstream media is dying and two, no one just really cares about Biden unless it's to rip him. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, it definitely shows both because the fact that the Daily Wire pulled in almost as many views as CNN should be a big indicator to CNN that they have a problem. Yeah, uh, I think they beat CNB CNBC and NBC. Not remotely surprising, but sad for those major networks. But it, it I think it, it signals a very big problem for the Biden administration that you're trying to convince all these people that this president is popular, that his policies, his decisions are popular. Even the people who voted for him aren't interested in what he has to say. Mm -mm. Not at all. Even Tim St Scott, he did a um, Republican response. Mm -hmm. um, so I remember correctly, he got like a third of the views that Biden did. And there's no way that a, a senator should be anywhere near that of a president. 
but not to mention, to... not to mention, typically rebuttal speeches get very low ratings in comparison to presidential addresses. Um, I'll go and try and pull up the the response ratings for um, for any of their rebuttal because there's always a rebuttal speech every oh, of course. every time there the opposition party gives a rebuttal speech. If you pull up rebuttal party rebuttal speech ratings for Trump speeches, I would wager that they are less than ten percent of the ratings of Trump's speech. Because the reality is, even if you are part of the opposition party, you probably didn't tune in or you don't really, you already know what you thought about it. You very rarely see opposition people like, well, I, like there weren't Republicans, Republicans clamoring to hear what Tim Scott about, uh, thought about, about Biden's address. I didn't care about it. And that's not because I had any particular animus against Tim Scott. I just don't really care. I knew what I thought about it. I don't need to hear the rebuttal speech from the Republican Party other than to see if we're going to shill for uh, moderate policies, which to some extent we did. But um, I'll save that for this weekend show. But let's talk about some of Biden's first hundred days in office, what his accomplishments were. Mike, I'm just going to throw it out there to you. What do you think Biden has accomplished in 100 days in office? Um, well, let's see. He, he wrecked the border. Um, he spread all the vaccines that Trump created. Don't forget, he lo- don't forget he uh, eliminated thousands of jobs by canceling the pipeline. Yes. Yes, he did that. He's pushing for a racial equity, which is going to be a massive failure because equity is impossible to achieve especially from the federal government. Um, like I'm, I'm looking at his 100 days on NPR. Um, nothing really impressive. Um, he, uh, he did pushing... sign 60, more than 60 executive orders in his first 100 days. Yes. All right. So this, this is what NPR says. So he assembled a coronavirus task force. That's not that hard to do. Push. It's also not really true because there was a coronavirus task force in place. A large portion of that task force was carryovers. Um, the only people that were new were political appointees that, uh, I'll, I'll grant were new, but as you said, not hard, but Fauci and a lot of the, the big people that you see on the task force were on the old task force. Yeah. Well, it's funny because they say keep task force and also says rejoin, um, the world health organization and keep Dr. Fauci as a close advisor. So, and I don't know about you, Jeff, I stopped caring what Fauci said in July when he threw out the opening pitch. Um, with his mask on um, and if I remember correctly the mound to first base is what like 60 feet 93 feet I believe 93, 93 and a half if I remember correctly oh I'm way off this shows you how much uh, I, I care about baseball sorry now I've um, got to see what else now I've got to check because I, I feel like I was I feel like I was oh I was way off you were right and I was right it's 60 and a half feet I could ah. have sworn it was maybe it's 93 feet down the baseline I don't know man I'm awesome Looking at my amazing guests. I also don't. I'm a sports fan, but I don't really um, watch. Well, Jeff, you have baseball. a podcast, and I a sports podcast, and I don't. I don't watch baseball because baseball I, sucks. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it, Jeff. Um, let's see what else. Release a vaccine distribution plan. The vaccines were already being distributed, so and the plan is count. identical to the uh, Trump plan. It yeah. was not a different plan. Yeah, he did absolutely nothing. The trend didn't change whatsoever. Uh, you can for. People who are um, into data, you can look at the trend on our world and data, and it's just a, it's just nothing unique about it. I actually plotted from um, when Trump left office to now, and it's actually a little bit lower than what it should be. If you uh, take the first 30, 
30 days of the vaccine distribution versus now. So Biden's actually gotten a little bit worse. Um, let's see, joining who that doesn't matter because it's run by China. Um, it's actually funny. China or the who actually doesn't recommend wearing masks when you work out. So I don't know why they're not listening to that because Michigan is making you wear masks when you work out. So are a lot of places. So yeah. it's recommended by the CDC in their most recent guidelines. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Don't forget that the CDC said not to, you don't have to wear a mask outside, which I thought everyone was already uh, not doing. I can like, tell I, you not just in Texas, but in every state I've been, because I've been other places during the pandemic, because I'm not afraid of a virus that basically will give me the common cold. Um, no, I've been to four to three times. You've One been, time was true. in July during, <laughs> during the peak. I've been, I've been other places as well. I've been to liberal areas as well. And nowhere have I seen people wearing masks outside. Yes. The only people I see wearing masks outside are politicians like Joe Biden, who got called out for it. I won't say, well, I mean, yeah, by and large, yes. I won't say that I have not seen anyone because I have seen some people just like those people who wear masks by themselves in their car. What are you protecting yourselves from, from see, exactly? At least, at least for that, because I, I will say I've done that because I'm going from like store to store. It's just easier to like just pull it down or I, or I forget I'm wearing it for a few seconds. I'm so talking I'll, fully I'll on that. your face, not pulled down. I'm talking like oh, left okay. on. All right. Never mind. Then. Never mind. I've seen people pulling it down. If you're going store to store, I get, um, I tend to take it off cause I can't stand them, but I can get that. I'm talking people on the interstate. So you're not going store to store. You're on the interstate full mask over your face. So I don't know what you're protecting yourself from. Um, if you're Jeff, that scared, you have, should probably um, get in a hermetic, hermetically sealed room. Obviously, they, they don't have the latest and greatest in aerofake filter technology to keep them safe in their cars. Apparently not. Yeah. So, so okay. So anyway, so yeah, okay, you rejoined so, the World Health Organization. Yep, which... so, so that's all there is for COVID. For the economy, it said reversed Trump's corporate tax cuts, not yet achieved. Environment organized a climate world summit which um, was found out that we need to cut back our meat to I think like um, a burger like once a month or something stupid like that that no one's ever uh, going to do. Pound, four pounds of meat total for the year, <laughs> which the is year? hilarious. I probably ate four pounds of meat in the last three days. Is that for, is really for the year? Yes, that was what I had okay, seen. Yeah, I guess that's, that's the pound, that's the, uh, a, a burger a month. Yeah. What I saw was four pounds of red meat a year. Um, first yeah, of all, so just, a decent, first of all, a decent sized steak for an adult man is probably going to be at least eight ounces, mm-hmm. um, which is half a pound for anyone who's not familiar with the English system. Um, so that's that, that right there blows your, your month where you're only allowed to have a quarter of a pound. Um, it's also absurd. Uh, it, I'm not doing that. I, I have no intention of cutting red meat out of my diet. Well, it's, it's funny because, one, um, U.S. has been dropping our emissions since 2005. Yeah, two, we're ahead of the Paris the Climate Accords, that we as dropped, we've pointed out numerous times. Yeah, and and much all the emissions that we drop gets made up by China and India every year. Also, if the U.S. were to completely stop producing emissions, like go to zero, um, you would not be able to measure it um, for temperature differences. So there's, and this is based off of the... IPCC, um, International Panel on Climate Change. So they're actually going to be released another document in October of this year. So I'll read that and and 
break it down for you guys. It may take me to like November. I think it's like a, a hundred, 200 page document, but I'll break it down for you and explain all the issues with it and why you shouldn't really listen to it. Cause it's, it's, it's just uh pseudoscience. Sorry. I wouldn't call it pseudoscience. I would say that it's simulations on top of simulations on top of simulations. See, and that is why I call it pseudoscience because you're pass they pass it off as scientific fact when in fact their data does not support the conclusions which they draw. Right. That's why I would call it pseudoscience. That's, fair. that's that's not saying that's necessarily the term that has to be used, but that is where when you pass off something as scientific fact or even scientific theory, um, when it when the data does not support any of the conclusions you draw, to me that's pseudoscience. Yeah. So one example of what I mean by models on top of models, they um, calculate the amount of CO2 in the air, then they use that calculation to figure out what the temperature is, instead of using the actual temperature measurements, you know, from actual like thermometers. Yeah, and when that has been called out in the past, by the way, look, I have not looked poured over the data the way that Mike has. Mike is an emissions engineer. That's actually what he does. Um, yeah, I kind of have to. So, so I have not poured over that f data like, like you have, but Every time it's been pointed out that there is a climate change model that is not that that can be uh, that can be verifiably mis disproven by data that con that actual data that contradicts the models, they just kind of tell you to ignore the data and look at the model, mm -hmm. kind of like they did with COVID for the entire last year. Well, millions will die; they're not, but they will because that's what the model says. There's no yes. evidence to support that that model is accurate, uh, other than the model itself. Yes, that's how that works, Jeff. So, yeah, the and as you said, I mean, even look, look, even if we did reduce to zero, like you, like Mike pointed out, that you couldn't measure the change in temperature. But more importantly, the big deal that they've made of us rejoining the Paris Climate Accords, that everyone continues to ignore. What was pointed out throughout the entire Trump administration is America is ahead. If you, I don't buy into. Uh, man-made climate change. I'm not going to dispute whether or not there is a climate change because frankly, I'm not saying there can't be, but what I'm going to dispute is the man-made effect on it. I believe that in my core. I've believed that for years. and I continue to believe that even if I'm the only one left who believes it. Um, I don't care because unless you provide me with data that actually says something instead of a model that tells me that the data could say this, um, I'm not going to believe it because that's just not how I, I don't work by you saying, well, my simulation I ran on the computer says this is the problem. That's not that's not the same thing as proving it with data. Anyway, I don't want to get off on a tangent. The yeah, just just to just hop on that. Now, I think we discussed it in our first episode. But essentially, I understand in theory that increases in CO two emissions will theoretically increase the temperature of the Earth. But I haven't seen any actual hard data that um, backs it up. So I understand the theory and concept, but I, I don't agree with the models. Um, I don't trust the models to say it's as extreme as it is. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I, I don't doubt that the, the theory, logically the theory makes sense to me as someone who can understand basic science, but the data isn't there. So anyway, not to go off on a climate change tangent, the bigger point here is if you do buy into climate change and you were upset about the Paris Climate Accords and the fact that we left them, we've been ahead of that 
of the commitments made in the Paris Climate Accords throughout the entire Trump administration. So rejoining them, all it did was sign us back up for something that holds us accountable to the world for something that we shouldn't be accountable to anyone for because we are a sovereign nation. Oh, and by the way, it hold it doesn't hold China or India accountable for anything, and they are the worst polluters on the earth. No, no, no. So is the Climate Accord says that India and China will continue to increase their pollutants for another 10 years. And then they know, sorry, bringing it down. Exactly. And they're the biggest polluters on the earth. So that's my problem. Like if you were a believer in, oh, we need to be back in the climate accords. And then, and you believed it more than just as a talking point from a politics standpoint, if you believed it because you said we need to do something about emissions, that's fine. I'm not going to argue with you about that. That's your, you have the right to believe that. But then you should have looked at the data that says, oh, we've actually been ahead of what we committed to in that anyway. So joining this does nothing. Yeah, it's because of like the natural gas that the Biden administration wants to get rid of. Oh, and you know, getting rid of things like pipe, like uh, oil pipelines, which Mm -hmm. also are a major contributor to our energy independence and our ability to decrease emissions. Because North American refineries and things like that are more efficient than those elsewhere in the world where we buy oil, buy fossil fuels from. But you shut down our ability to do that, and therefore we have to buy less efficiently created energy. And then ship them over in tankers that are aren't regulated. But anywho, what do I know? I'm just an emissions engineer. Um, let's see. Environment. He said organize the Climate World Summit. Um, he was the only world leader wearing a mask in a on a Zoom summit. call. Yes. So that looks fantastic. Um, make us a international leader on climate change. We already are. Okay, racial. That's equity. also not an accomplishment. It's not because if we already are, even Extend if we were, I don't think Act. it's an accomplishment. But right. extend voting rights act, um, not achieve. So essentially, what he's trying to do is strip the states of being able to set their own voter laws, uh, which, in my understanding, is unconstitutional. Jeff, what do you think? I I go back and forth on this. And, and, and I hate to say this as somebody who is very much uh, wants to dog Biden on the issue. I will say I go back and forth on this specifically for the fact that technically the borders of the United States of the United States in and of themselves, in my opinion, should be federally controlled borders. However, here's where here's where the gray area comes into me and why I think um, to Mike's point, some argue it's unconstitutional. Um, I think the big issue comes in to the federal government choosing not to enforce things at the border. The states then have the right to step in and enforce. Oh, I said, I said voting rights. Ah, <laughs> I, like said border, I thought you said borders, but uh, sorry, racial equity extend the voting rights act. So voting HR rights one. act, excuse me. Well, yeah, that is definitely unconstitutional. The only thing that's the only thing, again, federal, I do think that f- there should be federal voting laws. We've talked about that before on federal elections, because what Texas does should have, like, if if a state like uh, New York chooses to not allow, not require voter ID, that impacts Texas's abil- ability to elect the president of the United States. Well, Jake, so, don't worry about that, because New York has one of the tightest uh, voting laws true. in the United States. That is true. So anyway, Higher I than Georgia. A- I went in the wrong direction because I misheard you, but um, I do agree with you. It's unconstitutional to tell to tell voters uh, states how they handle their voting, especially uh, when you go. The biggest problem I have with what Biden's tried to do is 
he hasn't accomplished anything there except for blatantly lie about voting rights acts that are being passed in states like Georgia. He managed to spread tons of misinformation purposefully, was called out on that, continued to spread misinformation, and cost the, the state of Georgia and its voters uh, millions of dollars in revenue from the ma uh, Major League Baseball All-Star Game and lots of other businesses uh, like uh, Hollywood Studios pulling movies out of Georgia and things like that because they have to boycott Georgia, uh, which by the way, Stacey Abrams wrote in the Washington, po Washington Post in an op-ed uh, that we that there should be a boycott of Georgia. Once it actually hurt people in Georgia, she tried to retract that and change it. And they tried to make it seem like she never called for a boycott. She did. And so did the president of the United States. So not only do I agree, Mike, it's unconstitutional. I think it's a bigger problem to go and openly spread lies about the laws that are being passed. Because as we discussed at length on this show, Georgia, the laws expanded voting rights they did not restrict them in any way mm -hmm. i know because i read it <laughs> well i mean we we talked about it on air at length i mean there's the, the they did nothing the only requirement that was added that you can say was restrictive was the addition of, a, of an id which is supported by the majority of americans and the majority of minorities but um, it's not restrictive because they give them all for free that's what i was about to say is but it's not really a restriction because aside from having to take the time to do that you don't have to do anything. Yeah, you have to take the time to go get a photo ID, but I don't consider that restrictive. Be an adult and take the time to get a vote, uh, uh, get a voter ID if you want to vote. Yeah, you also have or to register to, to vote. Or if you just want to be an adult in general, you should have yeah. an ID. And the majority of minorities in America and the majority of Americans at large support voter ID laws. Mm -hmm. So um, all the president has done there. Not only did he not quote unquote expand voting rights. He also actively attacked private citizens and cost people millions of dollars by having that game moved, which was done largely because of Biden's comments. Mm -hmm. Very true. Very, very true. Um, let's see what else we want to go through. He also pledged to pick up the pieces of Donald Trump's broken foreign policy. Um, China's moving in on Taiwan and Russia's moving back on Ukraine. So it looks like he and he's re-examining he's re-examining an Iran nuclear deal mm -hmm. like the Obama administration had originally created with Joe Biden at the helm of it, um, which was one of the worst deals for both middle Mideast security and for economically for the United States that's ever been done. We essentially paid them to tell us that they weren't creating nukes, but did nothing to enforce it. And we're looking at doing that again. He wants to remove sanctions from Iran to have more discussions on an Iran nuclear deal. Yeah. Well, they said that they, they were placed illegally, but they couldn't point to one sanction that was actually placed illegally. Also, by the way, um, there's I, I just want to point this out for everyone's point of view. There is no such thing as an illegally placed sanction because that sanction like if the Iranians complain about it, it doesn't matter what they think of what we're doing because we are we don't report to them. And within the United States, there is no regulation on what we have to do with foreign countries. That is determined by the executive branch. Very true. So the sanctions that were put in place were not in place illegally. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. Um, for immigration, um, he said he was going to stop family separation at the U.S.-Mexico border. He, is in, he has instead expanded uh, the, the, what is it, detention facilities? Yes. 
detention they're not cages anymore. They're, they're, they're youths in detention facilities instead of kids in cages, but he's expanded them. They're over a hundred percent capacity. He's using taxpayer dollars to put them up in hotel rooms that cost more than any hotel room average. You will find anywhere. Just like $500 um, a night, 383, I think was the, act, was the number. Um, when you do the math on how long and how many rooms he was doing, which is more than like the majority of hotel rooms in America. Yes, there, there are go. more expensive hotel rooms, but they're normally at like the Waldorf Astoria, not at a Motel 6 or a, uh, you know, even a Marriott, uh, you know, like just a courtyard is going to cost you 85 to 150 bucks, depending on where you're at in the country, not $383 a night. No, that's like a room in New York City. Yeah, that's like a room in in New York city near times square, even, I mean, you can stay, you can stay in Queens for less than that. Yeah. I was thinking of like the place that we, that we would stay for a comic con. Yeah. I, I, I figure that's good. And that's like, those are times square hotels that are extremely expensive because they're prime located. That's not where these people are staying. So you're spending way more money than that. You're spending taxpayer dollars to put them up, but you are continuing to tame them. Um, we have a literal border crisis that Kamala Harris has been placed in charge of and has literally yet to do a thing about has not visited the border, has not made comments about the border. Um, so that's been his immigration policy. He hasn't done anything. Oh, and he recently said he's going to try and expand the amount of um, the amount of refugees we allowed in the country and potentially the amount of, um, he's talking about releasing all those people that are at the border. He's talking about just letting them through. Whether or not that happens remains to be seen. But as of right now, he's continuing to separate families and detain children. Yes, and let's keep in mind that he was just letting people in, um, and a lot of them were testing positive for COVID. But and a few COVID. of them, and a few of them were caught and were on terrorist watch lists. Yeah, that's Jeff. That's not important. They're just coming to find a a new home to to grow and have a great family. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, been- and and one more thing for them for immigration is he's defunding the wall. Uh, so one. They put a pause on it, but now they're talking about um, filling in some gaps. Um, I don't, I don't know what that means, but there are um, a f- probably a few hundred miles worth of gaps in the southern border. So, and I think Texas has already decided to move forward with it anyway, and put up the wall, uh, do construction anyway. That's correct. And the state of Arizona has talked about it as well, I know, and uh, New Mexico as well. I think you're going to see a lot of the southern border states start to take it into their own hands mm-hmm. because, and this is, so this is where I initially, uh, <laughs> in my comments, um, the federal government controls those borders until they stop controlling them. And then it's on the states to do it themselves. Well, so I have a question. How far is it? Is it like 20 miles from the border that the federal government can control? Like there's some, there's some um, range. I don't remember how far exactly it is. That sounds right, but I'm, I honestly am not positive. Okay. It may even be further than that. Cause I, I remember reading, you know, because I um, used to live in, in, in Michigan, I'll be back there in a few weeks that pretty much lucky you. Yeah. I, I was under like federal jurisdiction as well. Cause I was so close to the Canadian border. So I, it, it may be like 50 miles. I think it, it extended out to, Farmington Hills, which is a, a good 25 miles away. So 20, 30 miles at least. That's quite possible. Like I said, I'm not, um, I'm not actually sure, but that, that sounds right. Okay. But yeah, Texas is like, we're, we're just going to do it ourselves. 
which I'm not really surprised about. No, I, it, you know, Texas is the hardest hit state by illegal immigration. Now that's not to say that uh, Arizona, New Mexico don't also deal with it. Um, but Texas is hit the hardest because it has the largest Southern border. Um, and that, you know, you talk about state Texas has been open for over a month. You talked about a lot of these people are testing positive for COVID. The, the state of Texas is trying to get back to normal. And not only is this creating lawlessness at our border and creating a lot of problems as, as a Texan, um, it also creates problems with the whole COVID situation. If you're still worried about that, because you have a state that by everything the state has done should be able to open back up because we have the, the data to support that. But then you're letting in a bunch of people who are completely uncontrolled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because um, San Diego, which is pretty close to the um, California-Mexico border, is like one of the safest cities in the United States. And Tijuana sits just on the other side of the border, which is one of the most uh, dangerous cities in Mexico. And do you want to know why that can happen, Jeff? It's because they it. have a wall. Walls don't help people, Mike, except (laughs) for the wall that was placed around the White House for the majority of the 100 days as well. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much San Diego first put up uh, barriers to um, stop the cars from coming over. And then they just been slowly um, building up the wall. So from like the 1990s to now, San Diego has become like the safest city, safest major city in America. It also, I mean, this isn't the reason, but it also probably helps. They have a, the one of the the West Coast Marine Corps recruit depot is in San Diego, California. Yeah, I'm sure that helps. So, on the if you're east of the Mississippi, you go to basic training in Paris Island, uh, South Carolina. If you're west of the Mississippi, you go to San Diego, California. So there are a lot of Marines there, which that is not the reason. It is the wall. I agree with you, but that is also probably helpful in to the crime rate. <laughs> Very true. Very true. You want to talk about his uh, amazing speech? Yeah, let's get into his speech. The um, speech that was that was heard by virtually no one. Yeah, Nine, so we, uh, 11 million Americans out of 330 is, I'm going to consider virtually none. Yeah. Um, so this was about an hour and a half long, and I struggled to get through it. It, it was hard to watch just the speech in, in journal. So then I, I switched to the Daily Wire one. So it was a little bit more entertaining. So I didn't watch the speech at all because I couldn't get through it and I knew I wouldn't be able. So I didn't try. I read the transcript and first of all, the amount of flubs this man makes in speeches would be laughable if it wasn't so frequent. Wait, they left like the mess ups in the transcript. Yeah. I mean, the transcript's just a (laughs) writing of what he said. We've got to do better, better than just build better. We've got to build back better. Yeah, I watched that. I was confused. I'm like, oh wait, he has dementia. That's what that's what's going on. That makes sense now. So I want to I want to bring up three quotes. Okay. So the first one I want to bring up is he said, "We the people are the government." What are your thoughts on that, Jeff? Uh, it's a complete misunderstanding of. Well, let me let me change my statement. It is a misunderstanding, but I, I don't think that's the proper word because I think it was said purposefully. That was not a flub by, by Biden. That was a purposeful statement by his speechwriter. So misunderstanding does not do it justice. It, was a, it is a mischaracterization 
of the United States and the governmental system that we have. We the people are the government essentially tells you that once again, that your rights are derived from the government, that the government is the government is made up of the people. So the government is essentially never wrong because all the people are the government. That's it's trying to make the government your buddy, your friend. Um, and, and part of you, you're part of the government. I'm part of that's not what the government is and what the constitution is, says or what the American ideal is. So it's a mischaracterization is what I would call it because we, the people are the government says what I said, what, what, what it should be is the government serves. We, the people, the government is there at the behest at the, uh, the government is there at the will of the people. That is yes. what it is. Yes, the, a, a government is just a, an entity that protects the the constitutional rights of the people and, and provides certain needs like a military and helps protect us from other other governments, other countries. But no, it is not a, a, a person. We are, we are not the government. Um, actually, I see the people as a one of the checks and balances so the, to keep the government in line. So we are, we are actually distinct from the government. Yeah, it, I completely agree with you. The government, the government serves at the pleasure of the people. And when the government forgets that, as they clearly have by that statement, that is a problem for the people in the country, any country in the world. As soon as that changes, as soon as that is not the case, you've lost control. Mm -hmm. And the people are in control, not the government. But when you say the government is the people, you've essentially eliminated any any difference between them that the government serves the people. Now the government is serving itself because the people are the government. Now we all know the government serves itself. It is run by self-serving a-holes, but um, that is that statement to me was one of the most telling in his speech. Because again, he had a lot of flubs that are fun to make fun of. That wasn't a flub. That was an intentionally stated statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I may be part of the government's tomb. People keep telling me to run because my platform is I'm going to leave you alone. And people apparently like that slogan. Yeah, you won't win. Um, but <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm fully aware that I won't win with that slogan. Yeah, I'm not even saying by the slogan. I'm just saying you won't. You just but I am. I would be fully supportive of. I think I told you a year ago. I was very much considering running in 2020 for my house seat because in the district in which I lived in outside of Dallas, uh, we have a Democrat. Uh, House of uh, Rep we have a Democrat representative, Colin Allred, who I cannot stand. He's a avowed socialist. Uh, I was going to run against him, chose not to. In hindsight, kind of wish I had. Um, so wish you the best of luck. But it is a highly corrupted game of finding a bunch of people who you have to find the right people who are willing to push your name out to get you on the ballot. Oh, I agree. That's why we need to get this up to a million views. So I can just uh, promote myself. That will work. Like I said, and it, if we get big enough, then maybe I'll run again. Cause I was very strongly, I had, <laughs> I had actually like started to really look into forming my campaign, talk to my wife about it. I was going to quit my job and campaign to run for this, the house of representatives. Um, don't really want to be in Congress because I've said before, I do not believe honest men survive in Congress. Uh, I think I can only think of one example. And the question is, how is he in person? Uh, but that would be Rand Paul. Everyone else, you give a little bit up of yourself to go and be in Congress long-term. So I don't really want to do it, yeah. but I'm with you. I, I, if you run, I'll support you, but good Thanks. luck. Um, I think Mike Lee is doing a great job too. I can't remember how long he's been in, in 
in in uh in the Senate, but he's like the most conservative uh, person by far. He is doing he is well good as well, and and Ted Cruz for the most part is as well. But again, Ted Cruz is the actually, longer the I think longer Ted Cruz has like grown a spine since she's uh been in. He's getting yeah, he, he's getting he louder since he lost the twenty sixteen primary. He's gotten better, so it's it is possible to be a good man and be in Congress. The problem is the longer you're in there, the less likely it is you survive. Oh, I agree. I because, agree with that. Because if you think about it, here's the other reason why even like, even those three guys we named, they're all individually good, but how much support does Rand Paul get from the Republican party? Virtually none. How much does Ted Cruz get? He's, he's pretty much like uh, Bernie Sanders. Like we'll let, we'll let you be loud, but when it comes to like actually voting for your bills, we kind of ignore you. Exactly. And Ted Cruz is not quite as much as Rand Paul, but basically the same line and Mike Lee, the same thing. So you can survive because your constituents might like you, but if you hold to you, one of two things happens. You either, you either bend the knee to the party and then they start to support you, but you lose yourself or you stand up for yourself and your views and your constituents and the party will leave you behind. And that's what I think those three guys we named have hap- had happen. And that's what I think would happen to us in Congress is I, I believe that you and I would probably both be honest men in Congress, but I don't believe the GOP at large would really support either of us. Uh, yeah, I think I would be too honest. I would be too. <laughs> and I would be, I would be the guy out there saying we're latched up. We're talking about the wrong things. We're focused on garbage. We need to focus on this. And I would not, I would not tow the party line because I don't believe in it. That's not what American politics is meant to be. Um, George Washington warned in his farewell address about factions and that is what we have. And so we would both probably be okay with our constituents because they'd respect us, but we would get nothing done because we would never have the support of the party at large. Mm-hmm. Very true. Also about being the, the state house for first. Actually, you might be able to get more done there. Yeah. I would actually wouldn't mind being like a treasurer because I think people are too stupid with money. I wouldn't mind being a state senator even, or like I said, but I don't really know that I want to go into Paul, but I've considered it. But we were way on a tangent. So let's go to quote number two from Biden's speech. Quote number two. When I think climate change, I think jobs. Um, this is the man who just killed the key- Keystone Pipeline, um, and he's trying to kill um, uh, natural gas production. And just so people are aware, he also so, wants to kill coal mining in West Virginia and thinks that they can all just go get jobs working for solar companies. Yeah. Yeah. That, that you just, that's what you do. It's, so it's yeah, that so easy. They'll make Someone more who's money. never applied for a job in his life. They'll make more money. It's like, I mean, they will, if they have the skill set, coal mining and installing solar panels are, in my opinion, different, different skill sets. I may not know anything, but it seems like different skill sets to me. Um, and they even prove that the amount of jobs that he would add versus the amount of jobs he kills is a net negative um, for jobs. So this isn't true. Yes, he's creating jobs. He's also destroying far more in the process. See, I have a more optimistic viewpoint than you on this, Mike. I don't think he was lying in that statement. I think he was saying, I think climate change, I think jobs, as in the jobs I've destroyed and the people I've put on government roles that are now lifelong Democrats because they have to be to pay their bills because all their uh, money comes from us. That's how I see it. So okay. I have a more optimistic okay. view. I think he knew, I don't think he was lying. I just think he left out the, the bigger picture that he's thinking of the jobs he's going to destroy. Okay, okay I got you. I got you. The last one I wanted to bring up is America is back. 
And I don't. That was not the one I thought you'd bring up, but go for it. <laughs> Which one do you think I was going to bring up? Uh, I, I will save my quote for after yours, but. Okay. Yeah, I just. With half the country already believing that America never left, it seemed like a very divisive comment, especially since he's supposed to be the, the great uniter. Um, and I'll talk. And on that same note, you know, he was talking about COVID. He never once thank the Trump administration for the um, Operation Warp Speed. So you can you can say that, you know, Operation Warp Speed gave us the stepping stone we needed to launch off and we were able to put so many more vaccines in place than they ever dreamed. I don't think that's true, but they could have said something like that, that at least been more unifying. But overall, they say a lot of, they say they want to be unifiers, but what they their actions are um, don't match up at all. Yeah. So I agree with you. I, I think it's a good quote. It's just not the one I expected. Um, I, I agree with you. It, th- there was no effort in his speech at all last night. I thought that was one thing that was very clear when you re- when again, I didn't watch the speech. Um, and it's funny because he's giving a speech to a virtually empty house, uh, you know, vet- virtually empty, empty um, congressional chamber. So, um, you know, yeah, watching it wouldn't have it, it was very weird and very unnecessary. Um, again, it was more political theater about the danger of COVID because they need us all to believe that the danger won't ever go away because he needs to ram through as many of his policies, his policies as he can before 2022 when they lose the when they lose Congress. So mm-hmm. they have to continue to scare us. That's how I read all of that. That's how that looked to me when I looked at pictures of the of the situation. To me, that was all political theater to drum up how terrifying everything is, how afraid we should be so that he can get as many policies through as possible before 2022, because the Democrats know they're going to lose massively in Congress. Oh, definitely. But we can talk about the, the correctional districts, district redistricting in a second. But what uh, what quote did you want to bring up? Yeah. So <clears throat> just last comment on, on yours. So I agree. I didn't see anything in that speech last night that remotely tried to be unifying. It was very much pandering to his base and his own party. Um, it was a lot of self-aggrandizing and, and a lot of echo chamber kind of applause. I didn't yeah. see anything towards unification. Well, it's funny you say that because there's a CNN poll um, about um, how people thought it went and they gave Biden um, 51%. Like I said, this is a CNN poll and they get, gave Trump 57% on his first state of the union. So again, even people who are watching CNN think uh, Biden is doing a, a horrible job. Yeah, I, I, I thought it was very obvious that there was no effort there to make this a, uh, an effort to unify. But anyway, so the quote I thought you were going to bring up and, the, and I will bring up instead is talk to most responsible gun owners and hunters. They'll tell you there's no possible justification for having 100 rounds in weapon. What, do you think the deer are wearing Kevlar vests? Could be. <laughs> so first of all, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what deer do. You don't know what they're going to do to, maybe they're evolving. Um, exactly. But no, I, I found that quote very telling once again about A, not a misunderstanding of the Second Amendment, uh, a misrepresentation, a redefinition of it, because there is a concern. There are a lot of people now in this country who believe that the Second Amendment uh, was written in a time where muskets are all that was around and was written for hunters. And they believe that because the government has made a concerted effort over the last 100 years to change what the definition of it is in the minds of the people so they can get away with getting rid of it. 
because, because the people don't read what the constitution says well and even the people who do though they'll have that argument because again they've been indoctrinated over the last 50 to 100 years by a government and by politicians that are actively working to redefine in your mind what the second amendment was written for so that they can get you to believe oh it shouldn't be around but the same people who will tell you that the first amendment covers free speech on the internet will tell you that the the technology of guns today the founders didn't think about so you have that that in intellectual dishonesty to say, well, speech technology that's completely new that the founders never conceived of is different than gun technology they never conceived of. One is okay and the other is not. So number one, that's a problem. But but by saying that, he's once again trying to hammer in on the, the idea that this was written for hunters. When we all know, as we've discussed more times than I can count on this show, that is not what the Second Amendment is for. That is not what it's about. Having 100 rounds in a weapon or 200, it doesn't matter, is about protecting yourself from a militarized police state we talked about um, 1033 last week or earlier this week, actually, about the fact that the military, the police has been militarized against the citizens because they've been given weapons that the civilians can't get, which is the entire intent of the Second Amendment is to steady that out because everybody always says, well, if you go to war with the U.S., you're never going to win. They've got nukes. They've got bombs. They've got fighters. They've got tanks. Here's the problem with that. If you really believe that's what this is all about, you're an idiot. And I'm not going to try and sugarcoat it. I'm not going to try and be nice. You're an idiot. Because here's the thing is, if you believe you right there, Jeff, what? I just want to stop you right there. This is why Jeff and I will make it very far in politics. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> sugarcoat what I'm saying. But here's, here's why. Let me expound on why. Because if you believe that, then you vastly under, you misunderstand how tyrannical governments work a police state requires that the citizens be disarmed so that they you can you can't hold a city with fighter jets and nukes and tanks rolling down the street because look at insurgencies all over the world that we have trouble fighting because those guys have a few automatic weapons and some and some trucks because the way you hold a, an area is you have an armed person on the streets. You have armed people on the street corners, armed people make, making sure that people don't assemble in and and start to to rally together. Because if the guy, yeah, okay, yes, if we want to war with war with the government and the government decided to nuke all of its cities, yeah, we'll all lose. I'll admit that right now. Uh, but so they would also the then government. be left ruling over nothing. Right. Yeah, exactly. So does the government, because then they're left. If you believe they want to be in control and, and then they, they do that. So then they're ruling over nothing. They're ruling over wasteland. So what they, what they need to do is keep the infrastructure in place, which means you can't go and bomb things. You can't go and use tanks. We use those in war zones against other countries that are using the same things. If you're using it against your own people, you're going to put them down in ways where you can suppress them, but still keep the infrastructure in place and keep them there and make them serve you. Because that's what a tyrannical government's trying to do. And the Second Amendment was written so that we could fight back against that. Because you know what stops a police state? The fear of a, the fear of a militarized government knocking on the door and not knowing if someone in that house has a gun and is going to shoot back. And it is, and, and anybody who says well, the government shouldn't be afraid of us. No, the government should be afraid of us. That is yes. the whole point. The government should fear me. The government should fear Mike. The government should fear every American because the government is there to serve me and not other, not the other way around. And so that, that 
I, I know I went way far with this quote, but that quote to me was very, very telling because again, it, it signaled the direction he's going, which is more gun control, more attempts to limit what we can do as citizens and try and fight the second amendment because we all know there that Kamala Harris said just a few days ago, she wants an assault weapons ban. By the way, AR does not stand for assault rifle. If you didn't know that, go look it up. It stands for Armalite rifle. It is a type of rifle that was created. It is just a semi-automatic rifle like everything else. It just looks scary because it looks like a military gun. Um, it is not an assault weapon. There is no such thing um, other than military guns, yeah. which we aren't allowed to get. Well, it's interesting because some of the laws they want to introduce, um, making it illegal to have a, a semi-automatic uh, rifle, <clears throat> like the fine would be the same as having a fully automatic rifle. So what you're going to have is people mm-hmm. just like, all right, well, I'll just make my gun fully automatic. If the, if the fine, the punishment's the same. Why not? I mean, well, what- and we haven't we haven't gotten into we haven't gotten into that, and I, I, I gotten into this a lot, and I don't want to tie up the rest of the show with this, so I'll tease this out, and maybe you and I talk about it in our long our full length episode later. But the other things that are the a bill that just recently passed the House that is going to go to the Senate and hopefully die, um, also wants to make it so that you have to have a license to buy ammunition. You have to have a psyche valve to own guns. Um, you, they are also going to question your spouse and other individuals. You have to pay a tax for owning guns. They haven't decided whether it will be per gun or per person of $800 a year. You would have to pay a tax for the ammunition you own. And they have the right at any time to come into your house and confiscate those items. And if they're not reported, you immediately go to jail for a minimum of 15 years. So only that's going to do is take guns out of the hands of poor people. Because like even even if they were to put it'll a tax also take on the it. guns out of it'll take guns out. What it'll do is take gun. What they're trying to do is make it so cost prohibitive that even not poor people but regular people say it's not worth it for me to have a gun. They're trying to make it cost prohibitive to own guns, and they're trying to make it so people who don't do own guns automatically become in violation of the law because the law is so restrictive that it's impossible to follow. So they're trying to take guns once again out of the hands of law-abiding citizens and turn everyone who has a gun into a lawbreaker so they can do whatever they want to you. Yeah. On a positive note, there are a bunch of states that are now sanctuary states for gun laws. And actually the Supreme Court said on Monday that they're going to hear a case um, backed by the NRA. Um, It's a case against New York. New York it's a case does. because New York ref- refuses to give concealed carry permits. Thank you. Jeff Primer saying that you're allowed to defend yourself just because uh, New York is Primer saying that you can only defend yourself at home. Um, and the, the ruling should say that you should be able to defend yourself anywhere. And that's supposed to be heard in October, if I remember correctly. I believe that's correct. But the, yeah, I do know they just picked up that case and it's a, it will be a land. It will be a landmark case for gun rights if it goes the way it should. Um, because yes, it is basically, it is, um, New York's ban on concealed carry permits and, and defending yourself outside of your home and a number of other things. Um, but it will be a big deal for gun rights. So, and, and God willing that bill will die in the Senate. Again, I don't want, we could get, we could do a whole episode on gun control things that are trying to get pushed through under the radar, but that is the big problem I had with that statement is I know where the administration's going and what that statement's doing is once again, trying to, trying to play to the masses of, well, let's just have common sense here, folks. But what it really means, the underlying statement is you don't need that because it makes you a threat to the government. And so we're taking it from you and they're trying to put it under the guise of common sense. That was the quote that was most important to me. I gotcha. And just because one more thing, one last thing. He also said that billionaires got richer during the pandemic. Um, so one 
every time people say that, they go down to like the bottom where everything crashed and start counting from there. They they like to ignore the fact that Bainers also lost billion billions of dollars during the pandemic. And they also seem to forget that when you shut down all the local mom and pop stores, the only places you can buy from are places that have uh, stock. Yeah. So if I have to that- buy it from Amazon, yeah, Amazon is going to climb in value. And because Jeff Bezos owns a good portion of stock, his wealth is going to go up. It's not that hard to understand. Yeah, it's for one. The other thing they forget is that it's theoretical wealth because Bezos only is wealthy if he went and sold all that stock. Otherwise, it doesn't really mean anything. Doesn't actually have that money. That's Um, why their wealth wealth taxes are idiotic. That's also, by the way, by one of the big tax hikes that Biden is pushed uh, is trying to push that he's proposed. Also, one of his accomplishments in quotes of his first hundred days is uh, trying to trying to he's proposed a massive hike on capital gains taxes, which would make about 13 states in the union over 50 percent tax on capital gains. So there goes the stock market, because investing will investing will screech to a halt when people are paying that kind of tax on capital gains. That's the problem with capital gains taxes. But your other point, Mike, is the most important one. I'm really glad you made it, which is people talk about, oh, well, look how, look how huge Amazon's getting. Look how much money Jeff Bezos is making. Yeah. Look how much money Walmart's making. Yeah. You know why that is? Because you're forcing all these other companies to close and letting the government mandated that all of Amazon's competition shut down for the, for the pandemic and then allowed Amazon to keep printing money because they were the only person you could buy anything from for a year. Right. Oh, and then they do things like say, oh, we're going to, we want to push a $15 minimum wage that Amazon comes out and says, we're going to pay all of our employees $15. Yeah. You know why that it's people say, oh, see, Amazon can do it. Everybody can do it. You know why Amazon does it? Everyone listening. I'm not saying this to Mike because Mike knows this. I'm saying this to everyone else. The reason Amazon oh, does that is not because they're been. <laughs> what? Well, that's because I understand basic economics. <laughs> Amazon's not doing it because they're benevolent. Amazon is doing it because they know if we just hike it up so no one else can pay it. We'll put all of our competition out of business and then we can pay whatever we want because you don't have a choice but to work here. Mm-hmm. And then much. we'll just eliminate your job with a robot or whatever we want to do because we've eliminated the competition that couldn't compete at $15 an hour. Oh, I just want to bring up, there's a robot called Flippy that's being used in White Castles to flip burgers. And then they're going to be rolling that out in more stores. Um, just want to put that out there. I can't believe White Castle's still in business, but that's interesting. Looks well, they have robots now, Jeff. There is nothing more disgusting than a White Castle burger. I used to love White Castles up until the seventh grade. And then they just all of a sudden got nasty to me. Extremely nasty. I'm not a big fan of onions in general. And White Castle burgers basically taste like you just took an onion and dipped it in uh, grease and then put it on a bun. Well, Jeff, that's called uh, onion rings. (laughs) Okay. With with that nice gray meat. Mm. So we've we've ripped pretty heavily on Biden's first hundred days. I think with good reason. Because um, it's easy to do. <laughs> really, because there's been nothing accomplished uh, in a positive way. If you disagree, by the way, if you think there's been accomplishments, I'd love for you to write into us. We'd love to talk about it on our full length episode later this week. But let's move on. So let's talk about some good things from a writing the right perspective. Some things that more states in the right need to do. Something that uh, is in and unexpected state is leading the pack for the right right now, but it is one that we need to see Texas, South Dakota, um, the whole South Florida, follow this 
trend. And that is Idaho. Idaho just did two very huge things in the last two, two, three days. First, they banned all abortions after a heartbeat is detected. Yeah, which is which, four to six weeks. Yeah. Typically, I think it's uh, six weeks. You can hear the heartbeat. So mm-hmm. at the latest, it'd be six weeks. So that is huma- that is huge for pro-life advocates for the conservative movement. That is a masterwork that yeah. I mean, it's and not for, as great as just straight up banning abortion, but it's the closest anyone has ever gotten since Roe v. Wade. Yeah. And so I want to say two things. One, if you don't think abortion is a big issue in New York City, they abort more black babies than are born in hospitals. So abortion is actually being used to uh, wipe out the population, which is what uh, Margaret Sanger wanted to do, which yeah, I mentioned. The, the founder of Planned Parenthood, for anybody yeah. who's not familiar with that name. Yeah, and openly, Planned Parenthood actually came out and said, like, yeah, yeah, she she used to be all into the um, genocide and stuff. And we want to acknowledge it, and then we're going to do absolutely nothing about it. We're going to keep pushing abortion. Yes. So uh, Idaho in, in banning the black abortion. And brown neighborhoods. Idaho banning abortion after a heartbeat, one of the best conservative things I've seen done in the last few years. Yeah. Um, that is, uh, that's better than the born alive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong, by the way, with the born alive acts and things. Those are also necessary and very good. Um, the things that you, once a baby, if it survives an abortion or it's born, you have to take care of it. Those are great, but this is a step further. And I, I'm really happy with that. And the other thing they did, and for those of you who've been listening to us for a while, you'll remember Mike and I reviewed critical race theory in detail. <laughs> um, we actually, and we were, we, we were fair. We actually went and bought, or I bought the number one's the selling critical race theory book i found it online (laughs) i found it online with a legal way to read it for free i did not pirate it i found it on a on a online library and like borrowed the book for a period of time but i did read it we both read it and we both discussed it um idaho has banned critical race theory from being taught in any of their schools huge huge move again both of these are surprising not in in a way that it's a negative it's just you don't hear a lot about idaho as a conservative state as this as this big leader in conservatism but out of left field idaho is leading the pack with some of the most important moves that have been made by conservatives in the last 10 years and that that is big in the culture war and it is big in the war for our fundamental morals and our values around human life. So way to go, Idaho, number one. And number two, um, I want to see more. St- I want to see Texas do this. I want to see Florida do this. I want to see Alabama do every state that has a Republican legislature and governor ought to be pushing these bills through immediately because they are the ticket to if the federal government's going to continue to fight the fight the conservative movement from the top, then we just need to get a groundswell of support within the states. We don't need to control the federal government if we control the states, because at the end of the day, the states lead the pack and the federal government is going to run out of ways to stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Well said. All right. So I know that was a short topic, but uh, an important one to highlight. Another big thing that happened over the weekend since the since Mike and I last spoke to all of you listeners is the Oscars, which I will admit I have never watched the Oscars in my entire life because there is nothing more boring to me than watching a bunch of self uh, self indulgent Hollywood d bags award each other and suck each other off on stage for their artsy films that nobody saw. Um, 
However, a lot of people do watch the Oscars, but they've been declining for the last 10 years. I wouldn't say a lot of people. Well, a lot more people than this year. Um, <laughs> two years ago, 23 million people watched the Oscars. This year, 9.8 million people watched the Oscars. Yes, that is correct. 9.8 versus two years ago, 23 million. On a, That's less time, than Biden's speech. It is less than Biden's speech. <laughs> Shockingly, something is less interesting to people than Biden's speech. And so the Oscars, which were held in a train station that they had to kick the homeless people out of so that the fancy rich people didn't have to be around the dregs of society because, yeah, I don't want to be around the homeless. Um, so they held it in a train station. It had no host. It was, uh, it was watched by virtually no one. And... They the Oscars I, I I think effectively are dead after this year. Oh, I agree. I th- I think they're they're going to keep it going, but it, it's yeah, it's dead. I mean, I follow a lot of people on Twitter even who who watch the Oscar, and I, I again I fail to understand why people watch the Oscars. I can't wrap my head around it. I don't. I like movie. I'm a huge movie fan. But why do I care about, like, I can read who won the Oscars, but 90% of the movies and people who win Oscars, no one's ever seen or heard of. Mm-hmm. So I don't know why people watch them or find them interesting, other than, I guess, to, to for a moment, think of how great it would be to be famous, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, a lot of people I, I follow on Twitter or know personally that typically watch the Oscars didn't watch them this year. Not partially because of the wokeness and they didn't feel like being lectured for three hours by Hollywood, uh, Hollywood elites. But there was another reason. The other reason is the Oscars have swung so far away from middle America that a lot of people had not seen any of the movies nominated for best picture. I have no idea. what I actually don't know what movies were nominated. I'm going to pull up the list. and I'm going to ask you if you've seen any of them. Okay. But I just want to point out um, uh, Ricky Gervais. Am I saying the last name right? Gervais? Uh, Ricky Gervais. Gervais. So his monologue at the Golden Globes, I'm looking at NBC right now, currently has 18 million views. And there's another one um, from Fire Films at 34 million. So people would rather see a eight-minute monologue of him ripping people than actually watch the Oscars. That is actually really funny. I didn't, that, that's really, funny. yeah. so, <laughs> so I was, I was trying to compare it to something from the Oscars and there's nothing that broke a million views from the Oscars. I, all I did was type in Oscars 2021. 20, so I would have thought something would pop, break a million views, something would pop up, but no, nothing whatsoever. That is not surprising. So let me let me name off the Best Picture nominees. And there were eight of them, which is a huge amount because I don't recall it ever being that big. Um, I have only heard of two of these movies and I've seen none of them. Okay. So there was, uh, and I won't tell you which one won yet, but we'll get to it. So Nomadland, The Father, nope. Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, nah. Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and the trial of the Chicago seven. The only two on the list I had heard of are Judas and the black Messiah and the trial of the Chicago seven, neither of which I've seen. So I've seen the trial of the Chicago seven. I think that's on Netflix. Wasn't it? It was on Netflix. Yeah. So I watched that and I watched black Messiah because they're made. They're both free on Netflix and HBO. They're actually, they were pretty good. I haven't seen other ones though. 
I'm going to guess that the uh, Black Messiah one. Uh, it did not. So you said you have seen Judas and the Black Messiah? Mm-hmm. Was it any good? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. Was it very woke? Because it seemed like it was going to be super woke. Um, Which is part of the reason I didn't watch it. Because it's on HBO Max. But I had, I have... I have no issue with movies about the civil rights era or movies about like about black culture or things like that. That's, but I have a very big issue with those movies in modern culture because they're normally super, super woke and preachy about how Whoa. we're still an ultra racist society. So I typically don't watch them. If it's good, I might go back and watch it. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to say if it's woke or not because it's, it's a period piece, you know, when there's actually racism around. I, I get that. So I guess the question is, does the underlying tone of the movie seem like it's sticking to the period piece or is it telling you, is there, is there a very clear air that this is still the way it is? Because that's how I feel about a lot of those movies. That's my problem with them. No, I think I don't want to give too much away, but I mean, do you know anything about the movie? Yeah, I know about the movie. So, I just so didn't I guess, know if it was any good or not. I guess. What, what do you know about the movie? Um, now that you put me, I knew about it when it came out. I don't recall offhand. Okay. So, so to me, the underlying message was, um, I'm trying not to, to give it away. I, w- I would say just, just watch it. I think it's a good movie. Okay. And, and I, me personally, I wasn't planning on watching it. Um, cause I'm just sick of seeing black movies are always about civil rights or slavery. I think, I think it's just, we have more um, black history to, to talk about if you want to talk about history um, nope that's all you can talk about apparently yeah and the trial of the Chicago 7 was actually pretty good too see that movie I just thought looked bad to be honest I thought it looked very very boring so I at first didn't want to watch it because um, Shasha Conan's in it Shasha Baron Cohen yeah I don't like yeah. it but uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's in it I like him that's yep. why I watched it yeah, I, I remember that movie when it came out on Netflix and I almost watched it, but I just, I don't know. I'm not, I also find the tri- the actual events of the trial of the Chicago seven, very uninteresting. And I think it's, uh, I think it's an overplayed and over talked about subject in American history. So, but yeah. I will, I will give them both a shot either way. Um, no, Judas and the black Messiah did not win. Nomad land won a movie I've never heard of. Yeah, I know what that is. Um, the trial of the Chicago seven is definitely, um, anti-police so you can take that for our, how you want to take it but i, I felt the um, judas and black messiah was just a, a period piece okay yeah and and the trial of chicago seven i did read reviews when it first came out and that's part of the, the anti-police part is part of the reason i didn't re- watch it because um i believe one of the first reviews i read was uh you know that it's accurate to the events i'm paraphrasing but it was accurate to the events of the time but more importantly it really shines a light on police brutality in the modern age and i was like yep not interested Mm, you can i don't think it you can make it say that i'll say that i'm not necessarily saying that's what it was i'm saying that's what i read and so i was like right right if you're looking for it to say that then you can make make that movie say that and i think with the black messiah you can make the statement about racism still being alive today if you really wanted to but I don't think that's what it, what the message was. Fair enough. And I do, I mean, trust me, I do get that movie reviewers uh, tend to make the movie about what they want it to be about when they're really not about that. So I'll give both movies a shot. But either way, Nomadland, a movie no one's heard of, uh, one. And I watch a lot of movies I'd never heard of that movie. Hmm. I have seen, I think it's on Hulu now. I feel like I've seen it plastered up there now, but not before it won Best Picture. Um. I know Netflix was doing a thing where like watch with the what's on the Oscars and I always ignored it. So 
So, um, yeah, that was the big one. So not many movies that anybody saw the father. I don't know what that is. Anthony Hopkins won best actor for it, but yeah, and Anthony Hopkins mad. is a good actor, but I have no idea what the movie is. Yeah. The, the father. Oh, it has a rating of 98%. It could be good. I look, a lot of the movies on this list could be good. The problem though, is you, it is swung so far away from movies that people actually watch that nobody's interested in watching it anymore. And more importantly, I don't want to watch the Oscars because every speech becomes some somebody getting on their soapbox about climate change or about police brutality or about some other hot topic, liberal agenda item that I get to listen to somebody who lives in a $10 million mansion complain <laughs> to me about being a regular white American. Yeah. So I don't watch the, the Oscars and apparently no one else does either. I agree, but... Um, like I said, the Tyler Perry speech was actually uh, a good speech. Yeah, so let's. So that was the original reason for the topic. So let's get into that. So the Oscars are dying, but Tyler Perry's speech was fair, was fairly good. So Mike, walk uh, walk our listeners through the the highlights of the speech. Right. So essentially, he was uh, receiving a, a award for being a humanitarian. Um, so for those who don't know, Tyler Perry um, started off homeless, then he started writing plays, and eventually he's, he's done movies. Now he owns a, a studio. Um, actually in Atlanta. So I'm going to assume they'll be shooting films there. But essentially what, what he was trying to say is um, his mother had taught him not to hate people. So he said, like, I'm not going to hate you because you're black or because you're white or because you're Asian or you're because you're a police officer. I refuse to hate that way or act that way. And he thinks it's sad that the Facebook alg algorithms and Instagram algorithms have been forcing you to start to hate people. So I think we should need to find middle ground because that's where change and, and dialogue can occur. Yeah, so I, I went, after you told me about the speech, I went back and watched it because as I said, didn't watch the Oscars, didn't care about the Oscars, won't be watching them next year either, but yeah. that had nothing to do with this year. I just, I don't watch them because I find award show. The other thing is, even if you took all the them them being woke out of it, I don't find other people winning awards for things interesting like why do i want to watch someone like someone i've never met win an award that i would never get like i don't find that interesting i don't know why it's entertaining oh let's look at this millionaire get some statue to award him for being super rich i don't get what that's interesting to people um but more power to you if it is regardless i went and watched the speech i actually really did like tyler perry's speech i'm curious how long it will be until he has to go out and retract what he said or say that he wasn't being sensitive to some topic um he's protected by the fact that he's a black man but at some point, they're going. He's going to have to atone because he walked out. He stepped out of line. Is my feeling on the speech? Fair. I'm interested to see what happens to his, his film studios because they are in Atlanta, and he did say that. But he's also is a black man, so we'll see what happens. But he's not transgender, a woman, uh, LGBT. So like at some point, he'll fall. Like black men are not so far from being the next group that's going to be considered part of the patriarchy very true you're still men mm -hmm. yeah so we'll see if um was the black panther 2 films there i think that'll be a good indicator so that's that's where the first one was filmed at that will be interesting to find out but anyway they, I, I did like tyler perry's speech i thought it was a good point and it and he's right the algorithms and everything that essentially run our lives now are the reason that everyone is so like we're all seeing exactly what we are 
what the overlords, and I, it sounds ridiculous saying that, but it's true. Like what the big tech companies want you to see. You're, you're hearing the things that they know are going to upset you, going to rile you up. They find a way to make sure that's always in the news cycle, always in your feed, always getting talked about. And so you don't see any of the positive things going on in the world. You don't see the, the fact that there is still there are still human beings who care about one another. Mm-hmm. Very true. So I, I was glad that he said that. And um, every once in a while, you get a good speech out of the Oscars or the Golden Globes or, or one of those other award shows, but it's very rare. All right. Last topic before we jump into discussing the worst movie made in the last five years. The greatest movie of all time. This is best. You, you are throw, you've, you've now dug yourself a massive hole. <laughs> I'm fine with that. You, you now have to, you don't have to defend that it's a good movie. You have to defend that it's the best movie you've ever seen. Oh, oh, I plan to. <laughs> I'm going to lie through my teeth, but I plan to. Oh, it will be a lie because the movie sucks. Um, but anyway, 2020 census, every state that is losing seats has one common thread. Democrats control those states. Um, let's see, California, New York, Michigan. Um, let me pull up the whole list again so I don't miss any. Yeah, so it's California, it's Illinois, uh, Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, uh, last one. Ohio, West, West Virginia, and yep, Ohio. And okay, so Ohio has a Republican governor. Yeah, um, Ohio is um. Ohio and Michigan are, are really purple, but as of right now, they're. But Michigan is still, Michigan is a, a Democrat controlled state by Whitmer, but Ohio is more purple uh, and Wh- Michigan is too, but um, the rest are all blue governors, except for Ohio and West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And the um, states that gained were. All, was... Repu- all Republican states, except for, uh, so, actually, no, Colorado. not all of them. There are three of them that aren't North Colorado. Carolina, Colorado, yeah, and Oregon. Yeah, um, Montana. I'm looking at right. I'm looking at this. It's not. It's, I'm looking at a list, but it's not like gridded out, so it's hard to to track. I think Montana. Um, like I said, North Carolina. North Carolina is also an interesting one. Um, because a lot of it is red. It's just North a, Carolina a, is actually a very red party, a red state, with the exception of the governor. Governor, the legislature yeah. is super red, and um, both well, of the that's the same for um Michigan. Our, our Senate true. and our House are, are super red. I think we almost have a, a enough to um, veto-proof majority. Yeah, and both of North Carolina's U.S. Senators are red as well. So, yeah, North Carolina and Michigan are similar. They're, they're purple states. Um, Michigan obviously has Democrat representatives in Congress. North Carolina's representatives in Congress are almost all entirely red. Their yeah. governor is blue, which is what's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon yeah. is very blue, and Colorado is fairly blue. Mm-hmm. But yeah, even with Michigan senators, it was I think it was less than half a percent. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, yeah. it's close. We, we Jim Jones Michigan swings was very back close and forth. to winning. Uh, or John James, John, sorry, yeah, John James. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's interesting because California and New York lost. Um, looking at the population data, they're just gonna they're going to continue to drop. Um, same with Michigan. So California. Um, to give an idea, um, let's say in 2012, they were at a, a positive 0.82%, and now they're in negative, um, negative 
So that's a 1% swing in, in eight years. Um, I think they're going to continue to drop. Um, same with New York. New York's been dropping for a while now. Um, since 2011, they've been on the decline. Whereas Texas and Florida, they're sitting around 1, 1.3%, both of them. So if you, you know, take that out 10 years, um, that means Texas will have probably about 3 million more people, Florida about 2 million more people. Um, New York will probably lose another million, million and a half. And it's, I think it's too early to, to call with um, California. But I wouldn't be surprised if they lost another few million. And with 435 representatives, uh, it's about 700,000 um, represent uh, 700,000 people per representative. So I think they're going to continue to to bleed people. Um, and even with Michigan, Michigan kind of goes up and down. But right now we're on, on the downward swing because unfortunately Michigan is really based on the automotive sector. So when that goes down everything gets hit hard um, yep. and people, people tend to leave because of that. Yeah. The biggest question mark for me is it's a good thing that you're seeing states like Florida and Texas uh, gain, especially Texas gain too. It gained the most out of any state. Um, and those are good. The concern is as somebody who um, lives in Texas and uh, the concern is a lot of the people fleeing California and this happens every time people flee blue states and high taxes and then they vote and they go to a place where those things aren't, aren't there and they then don't realize that the people they were voting for the policies they voted for in their last place are what led to them leaving it and they vote for it again so the concern is will the two seats in texas be blue seats or red seats it'll have a lot to do with the districting in texas if those add districts to if for example if it adds a, a district to the area of um, say Houston or Dallas um, or, or especially Austin, you run the risk of, a, of it being a, a very blue seat. But if those seats get added um, on the, in the suburbs of any of those cities or in the more rural areas of the state, all of that is red. The way Texas sits is it's extremely red except for city centers of Houston, San Antonio, Dallas, and, uh, and Austin. And that's, Everywhere that's, that's else that's how is Michigan super is. red. Michigan's the same way. We have Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, and uh, Ann Arbor, Lansing. Uh, I don't think anything else. But every, every, everything, everywhere else is, is super red, including the suburbs around those cities. Yeah, the only problem for, for Michigan versus Texas is a lot more people live in outside of those cities in Texas than they do in, in really than in a lot of uh, states. There's obviously a lot of people in the major cities, but there are far more Texans outside of the cities than there are in them, which is part of the reason that Texas is able to maintain so much red because the population doesn't sit largely in those cities. Yep, very true. And I know this, this uh, won't be the case, but I wish that district thing was done in a... Um, fair and, and nonpartisan way, but that's never going to happen. No, that's, that's a, a issue that would take a very, very long time to try and resolve. I mean, honestly, it could be solved with a, an algorithm, but no one wants to would be willing to implement that. It could be, so, I mean, it would be solved. It could be solved even simpler than that, but uh, you'll never, it would take a long time, not because it's difficult to solve. It would take a long time because you'll never get the, you'll right. never that, get politicians that's, to that's agree what I meant. to it. That's what I meant. 
but there's ways to do it. Um, oh, I completely agree. It's it's not a difficult problem to solve. It's a difficult problem to solve because of the people you have to get to agree to solve it. There you go. All right, let's shift gears here. Um, we're running a little bit on the on the longer side um, than what we had hoped for this episode. Not overly surprising, um, but we've you know we're still on tar- track for our hour and a half time. I think. Um, but let's talk nerd topic of the week: Mortal Kombat. Okay. Mike and I both watched the movie. I watched the movie the night um, after our recording. Like we, t- we, we uh, both like we, came out. We were um, like 15 minutes off. I think I was like 15, 20 minutes behind you. Yeah. We watched it. That's right. And init- and so I texted Mike and, you know, I had really high hopes for this movie. I was very excited about it. I even watched an animated Mortal Kombat movie that came out in 2020. Um, like last the week before getting hyped about it. I watched Scorpion's Revenge. And I will tell everyone right now, that movie is a thousand percent better than oh, Mortal Kombat. I, I agree with that 100%. Did you watch Scorpion's Revenge? I watched like the first half hour. They got distracted. Oh, yeah. The first half hour is better than all of the two hours of Mortal Kombat. <laughs> the movie is trash. It is absolutely, utterly garbage. It is The acting is atrocious. The casting is horrendous. Um, it it mm. seems to me like a movie. So that was, what, what casting do you, do you not agree with? Literally every single role. Makad Brooks as Jack sucked. Um, the girl they had playing Sonya was super flat uh, in, in like didn't have Jessica any depth Mc- to her role. Nah, I don't remember. The only actor whose name I actually recall offhand is Makad Brooks. Because um, he's in Supergirl. Actually, he is in Supergirl, but I actually remember him from a show probably nobody saw, which was, um, what was it called? It was on USA and he played a, like a, uh, uh, it was an, on USA and it was about this chick who was a sports psychiatrist, but he was a, a wide receiver and like was seeing the sports psychiatrist. It was a USA show and I can't remember the name of the show anymore. Um, he was in Desperate Housewives. I think the show was called Necessary Roughness. Necessary Roughness. Let's see. Um, and that, and he was in that. He is known for necessary roughness from 2011 to 2013. See, don't don't question my knowledge of random TV shows. Uh, I just had to think of the name, but yeah, okay. So I, yes, he is on Supergirl, but I knew him first from Necessary Roughness, and I've always liked him from that because I think he's a good actor. But I thought he sucked as Jax. And I actually think he's a good actor. So I don't think the casting is bad in the sense that he's a bad actor. I think the casting is bad because what. That's what I, that was asking. Like, what what actual actor do you not like? Okay, the rest of them I did not think the acting was good. The rest of them I thought the actors were genuinely bad, um, and they've been in nothing else. Um, he was bad, I think, because he clearly seen he his performance to me was either there was no direction, which is quite possible because the movie was a freaking disaster, and the director had no idea what he was doing. Clearly, based on the fact that he had no vision for the film, but. It could that or he didn't want to be there because it's it was a very phoned in performance. It was the most lackluster performance I've seen on screen in a while. But aside from that, the guy who played um Kato, who's an actor Kano? I recognize, Kano, the guy who's he's an actor I recognize, but I can't remember what his name is. I can't Josh remember Lawson. what I've seen him in, but I recognize him. He was okay as Kano, but he was not Josh great. Lawson was in, I'm pulling up his, his IMDb. IMDb. Um, long story short, Teenage Rangers, Holly slept over the string. Oh, you may know him from Superstore. That's exactly what I know him from. There you go. 
Yeah, because I, I did watch all of Superstore, which is actually a pretty good show. Um, yeah, I have to check it out. Yeah, it's it just ended. Um, this was its last season, mm-hmm. um, but it was it was good. It's entertaining, and it definitely seems like uh, what it would probably be like to work at Walmart. So uh, it's it's entertaining. But anyway, so I liked him as in like he was funny as Kano, but the performance wasn't great. Uh, I thought Sonya was horrible. I thought the guy who played what was the made up new character they created? Oh, young. What was his, what was that? Uh, what was his character's name? Uh, Cole Young. Cole, Cole. Young. It, your your enunciation was not the best on that because I, I oh, it sounded it's like you were saying Cole Young. Oh, Cole, <laughs> Cole Young. Yes. Yeah. Played by he, Lewis Tan. Uh, yeah. His character was horrible. Um, it was a freaking joke to watch him on screen. He was not good. He was bad. And in addition, the character was written terribly. Raiden was super boring. Um, Liu Kang sucked and they picked the worst person to play Liu Kang. Um, I like all of that. Oh, and Scorpion, the most interesting character in the movie is in the movie for like the first seven minutes and then the last like six minutes. And that's it. And I'm okay with you doing it without Scorpion if you want to, but you have 30 years of this video game to uh, look, I will put this out there right now. I'm not a massive Mortal Kombat fan. When it comes to fighting games, I'm a street fighter guy more than a Mortal Kombat guy because I don't really like the Mortal Kombat gameplay. Uh, That said, Mortal Kombat has a very established like mythos and lore around it. And they ignored all of it to create like this whole new story, which I have a problem established uh things already because if you just wanted to make a new story just don't call it mortal Kombat. but if you're going to call it mortal Kombat, then have some semblance of it being mortal Kombat. because cole young made up for the you've got 30 years of characters to pull on to be the main character you could have made Liu kang the main character you could have made uh kung lao the main character you could have made johnny cage who you've chose to leave out of the movie the main character and it's, you could have made Jax or Sonya. You made Cole Young, a guy nobody cared about, had no emotional impact in uh, the main character. Also, he's apparently descended from Scorpion. And at the very end of the movie, can like speak Japanese, like can understand Scorpion, even though he's from Chicago and doesn't speak a, a lick of Japanese. But that's cool, whatever. Um, it was like, so let's get away from the plot now. The acting was terrible. Every single scene, I felt like they were intentionally being bad. At, like it was a it was like an 80s b movie it reminded me of the evil dead movies like with bruce campbell it was that kind of acting i thought the special effects were bad for like 60 percent of the movie and the ones that weren't terrible were mediocre at best um i thought the fight sequences kind of sucked um they, they relied very heavily on like, hey, let's have a lot of gore, but the fight sequences themselves were super boring. They just were gory. And I'm not a pro- I don't have a problem with gore, but I have a problem with boring. Um, what else? Uh, I thought the, the characters were bad. Like they had Reptile, who is one of the coolest uh, Mortal Kombat characters, but the way they did his character design, he was just a giant Komodo dragon. And he was like, it was like, it was just weird. It made no sense. I hated the movie, hated it. I, however, I will say it was one of the funnest movies I've watched in a while because I was watching it with my dad and we just spent the entire movie making fun of it because that was the only enjoyment I got out of it. I hated it. What did you like about it? Uh, so I just love the finishing moves. 
and the the blood and gore. Um, I agree with a lot of what you said. Actually, I just found it really entertaining. And maybe part of it is because it was so bad. So I just switched my brain to like, this is just a cheesy movie. And I get what you're saying about this is supposed to be a, a huge blockbuster film, but the budget was only like 55 million. So for blockbuster films, that's not that big. Um, I will admit, I, so I will give it credit there. I will admit, I thought it had a larger budget. Budget. I didn't look into that. I didn't do research because I don't research the budgets of movies. When you bill it as a big blockbuster, I assume it had the budget to be good. That's fair. So the, and like the first time I watched it, I hated the movie. But watching it in movie theaters with the like nice sound, strong sound, with the popcorn, with everyone else laughing, it just made the movie a lot better. That's. So if, if I had not watched it in movie theaters, I would agree with everything you said. And I actually, I did, still do agree with most of what you said, but it was worth the money I spent on the ticket. And so that, so that to me is a different standard, but I will agree with you on like, I could actually see myself going to watch it in a movie theater or when I get back to my house, because as you're familiar, Mike, I have a media room in my house with a big projector screen and mm -hmm. uh, surround sound. Um, I'm at my parents' house right now, so I didn't have that. I will probably watch it again with my brother on that or in a movie theater because I can agree with you. It's entertaining if I go into it knowing it's bad, but yeah, so. going into it, expecting it to be like, I was excited about an actually good. Cause like, I remember the Mortal Kombat movies from the nineties that I personally think are better movies than this in terms of plot line and character development. So ones I thought this would better. just be a better version. Yeah. So ones in the nineties were better because they just jumped into it. Because remember, Mortal Kombat had just came out, essentially. So they didn't have to really mm -hmm. do a plot. Versus Mortal Kombat is still popular, but not with the main audience. It's, it's become like a a niche game that people, diehard fans, have been playing since, you know, was, was, this is, what, 30 years? 25, 30 years. But most people aren't, aren't just going to pick up a, a new Mortal Kombat game anymore. But, yeah, so I thought Sonya Blade was wasn't a good actor. Um, I was pissed off about what they did with Scorpion, about him not being in there. But at the same time, he he um, did the get over here. I was like, that's all I really wanted. That's all I wanted. I thought Kung, uh, Cole Young was useless. Like at the very least, because in the in the video games, when they have the, um, like the, the different clans, all the clans have the same powers. So like when Cole Young got his powers, I was expecting him to have Scorpion's powers or like something crazy like he just became Scorpion and that didn't happen. He just got like a suit of armor, know, basically. Yeah, suit of armor because he, he doesn't know how to defend himself. Essentially, it was what why they gave it to him. Yeah, basically, he's the worst fighter in the Mortal Kombat tournament. So he, he got armor that made him not take hurt or take damage. Well, it's pretty much he 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 absorbs the damage and, and sends it back out. Like, it was actually uh, Black basically Panther Black Panther. I even said that to my dad. I was like, "Oh, so it's the Black Panther kinetic suit now." Yeah, and I and I feel that's why they had Kung Lao in it because it's the Captain America shield throw. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but you're right. And see, and so that's the like that was. So I feel a little bit better because when you came on here and told me you liked it, I honestly was like, I don't know how you could like them. I genuinely don't know what you could say is positive about it. In terms of it being entertaining in a movie theater, I could buy that that's probably true. And I might go watch it with my brother in a week when I'm back in Texas for that reason. Because I could see it because, again, I had genuine fun making fun of the movie.
but I went into yeah. it with a totally different mindset. I went into it like, oh, I'm really excited. This is going to be a, a 2020 version of Mortal Kombat, which means better fight scenes, better special effects, really good camera work. And instead I got something that was like the 90s movie done on no budget. And with a worse plot line, I was like, this is not what I expected. I'm very unhappy. I don't like this. Well, that's, that's very that's understandable. Um, I also didn't but, like what they did with the Sub-Zero Scorpion plot line. Because again, I'm not, a, I'm not a Mortal Kombat purist or a big Mortal Kombat fan. But that is not any version. Like, Sub-Zero is not a villain. And so I didn't really understand why they just all of a sudden, like, he's a villain now. So the only thing I'll say to that, because there is a few lowers around that, and in mm -hmm. one, um, Quan Chi, which is the, um, he's the he's the like leader the of the world. world, yeah, which is actually, where Scorpion ends up. Yeah, he actually like brainwashes Scorpion in one of them. So I'm not sure where they're going with it. Um, I mean, they have, they need enough money to make a sequel, so I'm gonna kind of forgive that for now. But if it's just Scorpion, which are not Scorpion, Super Zero was just evil then yeah stupid because in the video game sub-zero was kind of tricked into it or someone else impersonates him quan chi impersonates sub-zero in, in yeah. the tip in the typically accepted lore quan chi impersonates sub-zero and tricks scorpion into believing sub-zero killed his family so so scorpion does really want to kill sub-zero that part i don't have a problem with but it's not really him and mm -hmm. then when scorpion kills sub-zero he finds out quan chi actually did it and he goes to kill quan chi and then yes. Sub Zero and comes back gave as Scorpion. Uh, Quan Chi actually gave Scorpion his powers too. Yeah. So he's just like kind of playing both sides. But yeah, once Scorpion kills Sub Zero, then Sub Zero's younger brother becomes a new Sub Zero. Yeah, and Sub Zero becomes Noob Cybot. He comes back as a cyber Noob Cybot. So mm -hmm. that was why I didn't like. And you're right. Maybe if a sequel comes out, they'll fix it. But to me, it was like I'm not. I probably wouldn't have cared as much. But I was like, there, there seems to be no motivation for why Sub-Zero is evil. He just like apparently is. And it, yeah, was, it seemed like it's like clans were beefing just because clans beef. And it was it, it. And again, I just felt like they put that in there because you can't make a Mortal Kombat movie without Scorpion and Sub-Zero because they're the characters everybody recognizes. Mm -hmm. So it almost felt like they didn't want Scorpion and Sub-Zero in the movie but they had to put them in. So they put them in, but they just didn't really think about why they were there. And they were just like, yeah, they've got to fight each other because that's who people want to see. Mm -hmm. And I just found that kind of lame. Yeah. Also yeah, Sub-Zero apparently is like the wrecker of worlds in that movie because he like can take on everybody. Which doesn't make any sense. No, it made no sense. And like, and, yeah, the, and the also by the way, by the way, Sub-Zero does horrible. not fight for outward. Sub-Zero fights for Earthrealm. Mm-hmm. So, and again, like, that was the other thing I thought was weird about the movie was the Mortal Kombat is all based around the idea of like the Mortal Kombat tournament. And even the movie talked about the tournament and at no point in time did they have the tournament. All of the movie takes place without the tournament. It made no sense. Yes, they pretty much what happens is like, they're trying to kill off people before they actually have the tournament. Yeah, which, which was super weird. Yeah, yeah. So like I said, I just, I didn't like it as a movie. I can, I can get behind your statement about if you just watch it for pure enjoyment of like, wait for him to say, get over here and like, see some cool things. That Full part's okay. victory. Like that's, but, that's all I really want for more combat. And like, I, I will admit the one thing I really did like was when they showed Liu Kang do his fatality. Mm -hmm. That was super cool. Yeah. But like, then when he did his bicycle kick, it wasn't, it looked horrible. 
And that's the like, problem. Like they, yeah. they, it was like they put the, I don't understand how you can make a movie in 2020 or 2021. Uh, this movie was made last year though, but I don't know how you can make a movie now that has worse special effects, even at a $55 million budget than the mid nineties did. Because most of the effects that they put in, in the nineties are virtually free to do today because it's so, the technology is so easy to use that like expensive special effects look really good and cheap special effects still look better than the nineties normally. It's not, but I don't know. It's almost like they didn't render it properly. Like they couldn't get the right film studio to render it properly. Yeah, it's it honestly felt like the movie hadn't been finished in editing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even like you know when he, when they're walking through Raiden's temple and they open up the uh, the wall, mm-hmm. you can see the hydraulic. <laughs> I didn't notice that, but that's funny. Yeah. So yeah, it, it seems like there was like no post production done. It was, I just, I think one of the other reasons I didn't like it was if you compare it to the other stuff that. Um, that warner brothers has been putting out on hbo max this year like their big release like they've all been pretty good slam dunk movies Mm -hmm. and even judas and the black messiah which i didn't watch we talked about that earlier was up for best picture and you said that was like this one was up and i was like oh it's gonna be good and it was just so not like godzilla versus kong was a great movie yeah yeah but they also had like four movies before to, to build up to it. Well, yes, and the and as I discussed, I hated the last Godzilla movie. So, I mean, it is what it is. I didn't like Mortal Kombat. I wanted it to be so much better than it was. I will give it a shot watching it purely for... I did, I will admit, I did recommend the movie to a couple people, but I recommended it as watch this movie intending to make fun of it. And for that, per- if you watch it just for like, I'm going to have fun with this because it's so bad, you will probably like it. Um, but I did think not having Johnny Cage was a massive mistake, by the way, because they specifically came out and said they didn't want to have a white, they didn't want to have a white character, like a, a white male character in the movie because they felt like it would be better to do the Asian characters. And like, I don't have a problem with that. Like Luke Kang is a good protagonist. He could have been, but you didn't make yeah, him the protagonist. They made him a better made, protagonist they should but, have. But they made, but like, they didn't make Luke Kang the protagonist. They made Cole Young the protagonist. So if you're just going to make some made up guy, then you put Johnny Cage in the movie because at least he's a character people enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Johnny Cage in Scorpion's Revenge is voiced by Joel McHale, who is great in that role and should be Joel, should play Johnny Cage in a live action version because he actually has the body for it and he would be hilarious. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, look, jo- jo- uh, Joel McHale is actually crap. in he's good shape. Four. He's in good shape. And he voiced Johnny Cage perfectly. I can, and he would do the express, the facial expressions great. I could see him as Johnny Cage. So totally throwing that out there. If they do make a sequel, Joel McHale should be cast as Johnny Cage. There you go. And they should really fix Jax because Jax is supposed to be a cool character and it was super lame. And the whole thing where his arms started out tiny and then they got, it was so dumb. It's like, wait a minute. How, how does your, your chi or whatever power up your metal arms? Yeah, so they should have gave him like the good metal arms, then actually got him to like actually like fire something. Like they yeah, do with something the video games. cool, but like it was so lame when he had those tiny little babies. I was like, what? Yeah, they like this is the best technology you can find in all the realms. It's like, mm, no wonder it- Earth Realm keeps losing. <laughs> like that's it. We're gonna use that. Uh, I just thought that whole thing was dumb. 
the, the arm fair. thing and him hitting the punching bag with the little arms. That was what did it for me. I was like, what, why is this in the movie? You, you put this in the movie. All right. I'm done bagging on the movie. I've said enough. Are you? <laughs> At least for the broadcast. Okay. That's fair. All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. If you stuck with us this long, uh, we will be back in just a few days as we continue our two episode uh, per week run. And we'll talk about a lot more stuff. If you have any ideas you'd like us to talk about, email us at mikeandjeff at gmail.com. That is his name, M-Y-K-E. And my name, J-E-F-F, mikeandjeff at gmail.com. You can also follow us on uh, Twitter and Instagram at MJWritingWrite. You can uh, follow us on Facebook, the Writing the Right page. And you can subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Uh, if you haven't already, please share us with your friends. And by the way, we'll all also be on Locals very soon, uh, which is Dave Rubin's platform uh, that is a lot less restrictive than Twitter and other things, working on getting that up and running in the next few days. So stay tuned for that. <coughs> we'll be back in a few days and we'll talk to you soon. All right. See you, everyone.